This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast where we break one of society's big taboos and talk about money. But without the jargon and the BS, maybe, hopefully, make you think and have a bit of a laugh along the way. I'm Andrew Page, and joining me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Thanks for listening. We're all electioned out, but you'd be a mug not to wonder what that means for your finances and investing. So today, Malcolm and Bill, Kata, Xenophon and Hanson, what's going on and does it matter? S&P puts Australia's credit rating on negative watch. Don't worry, we'll explain. And Kogan's IPO bombs, or does it? Plus, for our foolish moment of truth, know thyself, dealing with financial losses. Well, after feeling like the longest election campaign since, um, well, since forever, we're finally free of federal elections, well, at least for another three years. Well, maybe not, Andrew. That's a good point. Uh, look, at the time of recording, Labor had no chance of forming government, with the Libs still needing three seats to form majority government. But seemingly, within striking distance of being able to govern with the support of a few key independents. That's right, Andrew. According to the experts, the coalition has 73 seats locked down this morning, leading in one with a few more in doubt. Of course, just being able to form government isn't enough in the lower house. You've also got to pass legislation, mm-hmm. and that means getting past a fractious Senate. The Senate that's likely to be a dog's breakfast, with the minor parties having the balance of power. Now, look, unless you're really into this stuff, it can be a little bit dull. I know you're a bit of a, a, a politics nerd, Scott, if I can say so politely. <laughs> you call me dull and a nerd in the one conversation. That's <laughs> well, a, we're, only, we're only a minute into this. Oh uh, Well, look, I, 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 know, I know you love this kind of stuff, so I'm going to – you're certainly not far better than me, so I'm going to ask you – What's going to happen, and should I care? Oh, dear. I'll do my best to explain, mate. So, look, we don't want to lose any of our listeners in the first few minutes. I'll keep it light, and I'll keep it brief, but stick with me, because it is kind of important. Okay. You'll remember that our last majority minority government, I should say, wasn't that long ago. That was the Gillard government of 2010 mm. and 2013. Mm. Now, they didn't control the House, at least not as no. a, in a majority, and they certainly didn't control the Senate. But they were actually the most productive government, measures by legislation that was passed through the parliament, of any time in many, many decades. So, sorry, most productive. They passed the most bills. Right. So, think think back to, to the headlines of the time. Instability, unstable government, yeah. who knows what's going yeah, on. that's what I remember. The headline writers freaked out. Of course, if you're particularly partisan, particularly biased in your politics, uh, you had reasons to either love or hate it's the most of us, government. isn't it? Well, well... <laughs> So let's try and be a little bit more, more even-tempered, even, even-handed. Okay. Look, you know, if, if you're a dyed-in-the-wool liberal supporter, you hated the Gillard years. If you, if you, if you loved Julia Gillard and the Labor Party, you probably thought it was wonderful. But, but realistically, cutting away all the jargon, all the bias, all the preferences, it was a very productive government. For, for a, you know, the, the, the context was all about, you know, the headlines were about stalemate and about, mm-hmm. you know, nothing being done. And yep. you remember all, that, remember all the stuff? It wasn't that long ago. It was actually the, the most productive government in decades. And so wow. just because we have a minority, uh, a hung parliament, a minority government, mm. doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get any legislation okay. passed. Okay. Now, the problem is, and again, we'll get past this, so stick with us, listeners. Malcolm Turnbull is going to have a tougher task ahead. Mm. He may get to a majority in the, in the lower house. Maybe mm. he needs Bob Caddick, who, who said he'll support him. So mm. let, let's assume they get to form government in the lower house, which is far from certain, but likely. Okay. Where Julia Gillard actually had a sympathetic Senate. They had effectively the Greens who were left-leaning. They backed most of Labor's policies. So while they didn't have a majority in the Senate, mm. they kind of had a, you know, there was, there was a, mm. not exactly a coalition, but there was a group of people who thought the same way, who are mm-hmm. likely to want the same things. Yep. And that made getting legislation passed. Okay. Now, in this new Senate, you've got the Greens, of course, as a minor party. Mm. You've also got Nick Xenophon mm-hmm. and probably maybe one or two other senators from the Nick Xenophon team. Mm. You've got Paul and Hanson and maybe someone else from Hanson's One Nation. Mm. And you've got, as I said, the Greens, Darren and others, that means that that's a much, much mm. broader group of people to try and corral. And you can't rely on people of the same ideological persuasion as you, a la you know, the Greens and Gillard, 
back in the day. So it's not exactly the same. In fact, it's probably going to be harder for a Turnbull, even if Turnbull majority government in the, in the lower house, mm. to get legislation through. Okay, so it sounds like a real dog's breakfast. <laughs> um, right. what, let, let's let's bring it back to money, yep. as, as we should. What are the investing implications? Well, as we've said before in this podcast, Andrew, we're not afraid to say, I don't know. Most most investing people, most podcasts, most commentators will tell you, give you a, a certain answer because they're paid to, to know things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're paid to, to give it to you straight. We don't know. Are we, we paid to say know. we don't know, though? Well, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'll try to give us through. If we don't know the answer, yes, absolutely. It's exactly what we're paid for. Yep. Although our listeners aren't paying us, but if they want to send a donation, I'm happy to give I'll my email it. address. Uh, look, yeah, no, the strange is no one knows. Mm, okay. All right. So you're not exactly making me feel confident. So <laughs> so the, the, we've got a political mess yep. and we just don't know what that's going to mean. Well, we don't know what it's going to mean politically. But here's the thing. You mentioned the point. This is a financial investing podcast. Right. So let's go through it. Okay. Stick with me. The, only the most biased observer, as I've said, would agree that you know, there is a massive difference between the two parties. Yeah, if you're a Dynamo Labor supporter or Liberal supporter, I'm not going to get there because I just have no They're, they're both pretty it. close to centre. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So when it comes to the nation's long-term economic growth, our budget deficit, all that kind of stuff, mm. the parties just aren't that different. Mm. If you look at like a 10-year projection, you go out that far, maybe the numbers get different in 2022 or 2024 or something, but mm. realistically, those numbers are a waste. Then th- those forecasts, no matter who makes them, which party, no matter how biased or otherwise you are, you're simply not going to get to that sort of outcome. You're not going to get there because we- things are going to change so much between now and then. In yeah. the next three-year term of parliament, maybe sooner if we end up with another another mm. election, if the parties can't sort themselves out. Yep. But in the next three years of government, no matter who holds the reins, the economic results are going to be roughly similar. And that means for investors, yep. unless you're in a particularly politically sensitive industry, like, for example, healthcare, where okay. the party policies might matter, yep. for the vast majority of investors, the market will keep on doing what, it, what it's always done, which is find ways to be profitable, find ways to make money. Companies will will serve consumers. They'll serve new needs. They'll create new needs. Yep. They'll make more money. That will happen no matter who's in power. Either party is going to deliver that sort of result. So we shouldn't worry too much at the bottom line mm. about what the election holds. You know, when I read the papers and, you know, you talk about politics and how that impacts investing, one of the figures that, that tends to come up every now and again is people will say, look, in the post-war period... <laughs> You know, when you look at all how the share market has performed and what governments have been in power, right. the the numbers tell you that that the share market tends to do better when the liberals are in power, and that tends to be the popular opinion. They're more business friendly. They're they're more conducive to in, to investment, and and you know they're not as uh, closed minded in terms of trade and mm. all of these other kinds of things. Mm. Um, so I looked it up. And, and yeah, absolutely, there is a difference. But there was a couple of things that stood out for me. Firstly, it's not a big difference. Mm. Secondly, when you're making legislative um, decisions, um, these often have a very big lag effect. So I don't know if you can always Huge. line these Huge. line these things up. Yeah. You know, there's, there was decisions that the, the Hawke-Keating government made back when they were in power in, in the 80s and, and 90s. And, and, and they're still having implications today. So, so that that I think makes it a little bit of a you know a difficult comparison. But even then, when you when you bury in or dig into some of these numbers, the actual the the, the market performed best during a Labor government between eighty three uh, and ninety six. So when when I sort of look at all of that, it kind of I think it kind of speaks to the point that you're making here is that you know if you want to have a look at just the the raw numbers, you can you can make a bit of an argument. But a more nuanced view says really. We're not gonna. It's not gonna make a big difference. Now, if 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 one nation got the majority in the lower house and in the Senate, you know, a a a, a, a party with a significant ideological difference and and experience and all the rest of it, I think that'd probably be different. 
But when we're talking about a labor liberal difference, it's not one I'm going to be plowing all my money into the market. The other, I'm going to be pulling it all out and, and chucking it under the mattress. Yeah, that's exactly right, Andrew. And those results actually also mirror the US experience where yep. between yep. The, the Democrats over there and the Republicans over there, the results are also very, very mixed and there's very little you can actually draw from it. It seems to be the conclusion for a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Scary things happening in the world. Uh, just keep just keep carrying on. And you know what? If Alyssa's take nothing else from our podcast than that, our job's done, quite frankly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so simple, but it's so true, isn't it? Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. It does lead us to as nicely to our next topic. Um, you might feel okay about the prospects of the Australian economy. I do. Um, we've talked about that before. We're, yep. we're optimists uh, generally. Um, but there's one company that a lot of people do listen to, and and they really disagree with what we're sort of saying here. They're, Story of my life. They're Andrew. saying you need Story to, of my life. You need to maybe be a little bit worried about the Australian <laughs> ecom- economy. And this isn't some you know tin shed operation. This oh, is, is Standard and Poor's. Uh, these are the global ratings agency, US based. They are taken very seriously. They they move markets. They infect, affect interest rates and all of these other kinds of things. Ah, so I'm pause. The mob who so spectacularly missed the GFC, <laughs> who took money from investment banks to rate their products AAA when in fact they were complete garbage. You mean that standard and pause? Yeah, that's the one. And you should you should listen to those guys. Well. <laughs> Maybe maybe just hear what they've got to say is all, all I'm right, saying. All right, tell here. me. What have they said? Well, um, they, these guys are saying a few things. So they're saying that um, we need to be a little bit uh, worried here. Um, we are not as credit worthy as we once were were. Mm. Uh, the reason being is that we've got uh, all this political uncertainty that we were just talking about. You know, we've our debt continues to sort of shoot higher. We've got a very highly leveraged property market. You know, these aren't, these aren't the silly things easily dismissed. Are they? Oh, sorry. I've fallen asleep. <laughs> Mate, uh, look. Happens a lot when I talk. Oh, Happens dear. a lot. But, <laughs> look, uh, let's take it in turn. Firstly, okay. S&P and for the record, Moody's and Fitch. Um, these are the guys who got the GFC wrong. These are the guys who think Berkshire Hathaway, the world's best company, run by the world's best investor, is not AAA credit worthy anymore. <laughs> That's right. Um, and they've put they've put Australia on negative credit watch, but kept our credit rating as AAA, right? So let, let's break that down. Um, so firstly, I'll take anything they say with a fairly significant grain of salt. Okay. Apologies to any S&P analysts listening to this. No, let's be honest, there's no one. They're not listening <laughs> to it. Um, but but if they were, if, they, if you have any friends who work for S&P, apologize to them for me. Look, you know, they've put us on negative watch. What they're really saying, and what we should at least listen to is that they believe that Australia has the potential to lose our AAA credit rating if things don't improve, or more, more markedly, probably if things get worse. And mm. they've pretty much said, look, there's two issues. The first is that with a, with a fractious parliament, with a fractious government, they're not sure exactly what the country can deliver and what's mm. going to deliver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Secondly, as a result of that, but also, frankly, as a result of the party's, party, the party's policies, I should say, um, there is some concern we won't, they won't fix the budget deficit soon enough. Okay. And they're also worried about our household indebtedness. That is our, our exposure to, to mortgages, frank, frankly, and, yeah, and a little huge. bit of credit card debt. Yep. So what they're saying is we're too indebted. We're not necessarily, they're not concerned, they're not convinced that the parties are going to take the right decisions, make the right decisions to get us out of that budget deficit black hole, to use the term. Right. Um, and if it, we don't fix it, they're saying, guys, you better be careful here because if you don't fix things, we're going to downgrade your credit rating. Well, let's, let's play this forward hypothetically. Let's say for the sake of argument, they come out and they say, them and, and all the other ratings agencies say, Australia's now gone down a notch in terms of its credit rating. It's Ba-ba-ba. no longer AAA. Ba-ba-ba. What happens? <clears throat> well, nothing. 
Surely something. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Surely. So look, what 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 happens is is countries and and companies as well, by the way, are given a credit rating that that determines how credit worthy that those ratings agencies think the country the, the companies or the countries are, mm-hmm. and as a result, that changes how much you have to pay for your debt. Now. So that's like the difference between what a, you know, someone with no credit card debt, a great income, heaps of assets might be able to borrow at if they go to a bank versus what someone who's really doing it tough, it may have to go to a cash converters or something to get a loan. It's that, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, they're the extremes, but that's what a credit rating agency does. Exactly. So look, some some people are more credit worthy than others and some countries are more credit worthy. If you're, if you're super low risk, we'll we'll lend you at a certain rate. Yep. If you're much riskier than that, we'll, we'll double the number. So instead of lending, you know, you might be able to borrow for a house at 4% today. Uh, but if you had a couple of bankruptcies in your past and you got a full credit card, they might say, well, we'll give it to you at 6% or whatever the numbers okay. are. So okay. it, it changes how much you pay for your debt. Yep. And also, frankly, the sorts of investors who are likely to buy that debt. So from, for a country, we finance budget deficit by issuing bonds. Okay. And those bonds are bought by Australian big, big investors IOUs, and overseas basically. investors. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Um, it's a mortgage form of a better term. Yep. And the people who buy those will pay a lower rate because they think we're more credit worthy. For right. AAA, they'll, they'll only demand, we. I think there was the last lot of bonds we issued at something like 2%, which is extraordinarily low. All-time low. And it'll be a little bit higher than that if we're double A rated, double right. A plus, something like so that. So Nigeria is borrowing money at a higher rate than what we are. Spot on. And that's, okay. that's exactly the concern. If right. we, our credit rating gets downgraded, we'll have to pay a little bit, like a tiny little bit more for our debt. Like that's, I mean, you know, that's given something the size, to be worried about though, right? Well, given the size of the, I mean, that, that in terms of interest, that's going to cost a lot more. You know, the banks, they, they, it's going to have a, a, a trickle down effect for want of a better term on the, on our banks as well. Yeah. In absolute dollars, it does. That, that's, that's undeniable. But as a percentage, it's so small. It really, you know, we shouldn't be overly worried about it. I think honestly, we get this fetish of 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 wanting to be triple A rated because it's the best, and we end up with this kind of national pride thing about we have to be triple A credit rated because X. Mm. Most people don't know why what that reason is, other than they feel like it's the best, and we want to be the best mm. in the world at things. Therefore, we should want the best credit. But surely, rating. at a point, it makes a difference. Okay, maybe we go down a bit of a notch. We're still amongst the highest in the world. Interest costs, borrowing costs don't change that much, but then you know. It, Unless unless budgets are ultimately repaired, you yeah. know, th- yeah. th- there's the there's the potential that that gets worse and worse and worse, and then it does very much have an an impact. And for me, that's the biggest issue, Andrew. It's not about what S and P think about our credit rating today. It's far more about what S and P have to say about why they're giving that credit rating. And you are right. exactly right. There is budget. There is a budget deficit issue that. Both parties seem completely unprepared to resolve or to solve. Mm. We're simply taxing too lowly and spending too highly. Now, different people can say, well, we should reduce spending, we should increase taxes or a combination of both. And Mm. that's a whole different argument for down the pub. But realistically, there needs to be solutions and to be tough decisions made by sensible you know, thoughtful, long-term focused politicians. And maybe that's an oxymoron and maybe that's the problem. That's exactly what S&P are saying is, guys, you can't keep going this way. S&P are the canary in the coal mine. Whether or not our credit rate credit rating gets downgraded is probably a bit of a sideshow. Mm. The bigger point they're making is this could go badly if you don't fix it. And that's exactly what we should be thinking about when it comes to this sort of thing. Value stocks. Market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Not long ago, we we're talking about the initial public offering, the IPO for the retailer Kogan, the online retailer that's captured plenty of sales and interest from consumers. It was priced at a dollar eighty on the float. That is, if you were buying it before it listed on the market, you could get in at around about a dollar eighty. The shares bombed out on debut. They listed Ba-bom. on the market and they fell down to a dollar sixty-five. So these guys really failed in terms of their IPO. I do apologies for the sound effects. We can't afford a sound effect. So I, I, I'm the, I'm the black to provide the sound effects. Look, uh, yeah, they, well, officially, right? So cue the headlines. Oh, Kogan IPO fails, you know, fell 5%. And you kind of think, well, is that really a failure or not? 
Well, it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? There's, there's, you've got to look at it two ways, don't you? The first is, what's the purpose of the IPO? <laughs> what's the business looking to achieve here? And can you measure success based on the first day of trade? Oh, hang on, because the, the price fell. That's hard. How is that anything but a failure? Well, you've got to understand. This is, I think this is a really uh, good misconception to clear up. And it gets asked to me all the time. So I go onto the share market today and I buy some BHP shares. Mm -hmm. BHP don't get that money. Well, who does? Well, the, the bloke who sold me it. The yeah. only time the company gets money is when they list on the market. They do this IPO, what's called a float. They say, we're going to sell you X percent of our business at, at X dollars per, per share. And people plow in and that's when the company gets the money. After that point, once they start trading on the stock exchange, those, well, virtual bits of paper these days are just swapped between various investors. All of the trading that gets done on every listed company uh, on, a, on a daily basis, the company gets none of that money. So where am I going with this? When, I, when, when Kogan went to the market, they were, they were looking to raise money for themselves that they can help prosecute their growth strategy, become bigger and better. So in terms of was that a success, it was absolutely a success. They had a very strong um, interest in their IPO. They sold all the shares that they wanted to sell at the price they wanted to sell it. Job done. But hang on, the share price has fallen. So the market's saying the company is worth less than it was yesterday. Surely that's needed. I mean, you know, the, the company's saying, you, you guys failed. We, you, we think you're not worth what we thought you were worth yesterday. How, how is that anything but bad news? Well, the market, it depends how you want to look at it. And, and many times the, the, the shares will rise the day after, I mean, in which case there was something wrong, you know, there in terms of how much the company was pricing its shares. Look, the, the market is going to move around on a daily basis. You and I know this extraordinarily well. Any casual observer who looks at a chart of the, of the market or any particular company in the market, that is a very wobbly line. So I think really what you would need to do is to sort of say, you know, is, is the market is right or is it wrong? Well, we'll only really know in hindsight. We fast, we look back in a few years time, shares could well be at $3.80 or $4.80. They could be at two cents, but I, I, you know, it's like, it's like calling the outcome of a test match after the first ball or the first over <laughs> has been bowled as, as you like to say. I do indeed. I like a test match analogy. Look, the other analogy I would use is house prices. If I sold you my house for a million bucks, and then you then sold it to someone else for eight hundred thousand dollars. Did my mm. sale fail? No, of course it didn't. I got what I wanted. Mm. If I get more for my my house than you get selling it after you bought it from me, then I, I make out like a bandit. You're the one who, who wears the loss. Yep. The loss isn't in the IPO failure. The loss isn't. In the, I, I don't fail because you sell my house after it for less than I sold it to you. I actually I actually do really well out of that. I've probably made a bit of money. The mug who bought it for too high a price, in other words, you, yep. funny enough. Um, <laughs> funny yeah, the way those analogies work out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, funny. Uh, the, the, you know, the, people who, the person who pays too much are the person who fails. And so yep. an IPO, as you say, an IPO is the company selling its company for as much as it can. The owners want to get the highest price yeah. they possibly can. If you pay, overpay in the IPO and the shares fall, you're the mug for paying too much in the first instance. The yeah. IPO didn't fail. Yeah. The failure was in the people who bought the shares at too high a price. The shares subsequently fell. Well, that's the market basically giving its verdict and saying, you lot who paid too much initially, you're the mug. So if there was a failure, it was people who bought at the IPO, not the IPO itself. It's a really important point because the media like to do this like race calling. You know, shares went up, that's great. Shares went down, that's terrible. Think about who's buying, who's selling, what you're really talking about. The job of an IPO is to make as much money as possible from investors. Kogan did that. That the shares fell subsequently says Kogan did a really, really good job at its investment bankers one. get yeah. their bonus yeah. for, for selling for selling really well. But as you rightly point out, Andrew, this is this is ball one, day one, over one of, of a five-day test match. There is plenty more to go. If Kogan are successful in over the next five and ten years, well, they might the share price be. will be much higher. Yeah. Yeah. If they fail as a business, the share right. price will be much lower. It's got nothing to do with today's share price. Yeah, I think the, the, the final point to make here is as well is that a lot of investors see IPOs as easy money. 
and it's called a stag is the, is the, is the jargon that we use. And so what you do is you, you get in on an IPO, you, you apply for as many shares as you can get your hands on. And then day one, you sell those shares for an easy profit because shares always rise the day after a company How lists. How hard can it possibly be? <laughs> if ever you have someone at the pub telling you they've got a foolproof strategy for investing, <laughs> run a mile, run a mile. And this is a good example of this stag strategy. It just doesn't work as often as people would, would have you believe. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Okay, Scott, we better move on. We're going to run out of time, and it is time now for our foolish moment of truth. And then in the spirit of falling IPO prices, we want to talk about losses. Oh, finishing the podcast on a high, Andrew. <laughs> well, nice work. It's got to be talked about. <laughs> it is inevitable. And again, I think it's one of these other things that people really misunderstand about uh, investing. Well, you're you not know, making any better here, mate. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying try to get you to talk about positive. You want to talk about losses even more. Keep just, just telling it like it is, no, mate. Right, right, right. I, I wish it wasn't so. I wish it wasn't so for me personally. <laughs> I wish, it, I wish it wasn't so for the service that, that I run with The Motley Fool. We've got some absolute corkers on there that as if not done well at all. Lord knows I've got some in my portfolio. Warren Buffett, the world's greatest investor. We love to quote him. We love to we talk do. about him. Oh, man, has he bought some stinkers in the past. <laughs> so I think, you know, Joe Average, uh, you know, buying shares, you know, is 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 got to expect losses. I you will on, not avoid them. Buffett's, Buffett's bought a business and went broke. I haven't. So I'm a better investor than Buffett. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, not... I'm, I'm going I'm to quote you on that. I'm gonna, Scott, Andrew said Scott's a better investor than Buffett. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you've not bought a business that's gone bust. I'm, I'm going to put my hand up. I have. I right, think I've right. probably done that a couple times okay. to, to my detriment. But yes. I bet you've bought. A, I bet you've had some dud investments. Though. I've had plenty of dud investments. Yeah, and I, I reckon you'll have them again too. I am absolutely certain that'll be the case. But here's the thing, and I think this is the real tragedy of it. You know, people. People approach the market for the right reasons. They think I want to want to build long-term wealth. I want to get access to the Australian economy and some of the better businesses in it. Tick, tick, tick. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've got I've got the right attitude. I've got a sensible strategy. I buy shares, and you know, generally speaking, not all of us are in the in the situation where we'll just be able to on day one build an instantly diversified, well-structured portfolio. You might buy one share today. Right. Three months time, we might get, and then we're building it up over time. But the tragedy is, is that just for for absolutely no fault of your own you might buy something and then find yourself a month later down 10 15 20 percent might you might in I, fact, i've been there before <laughs> you, you probably will more yeah. often than not yeah. now rather than just sort of saying that ah, happens um you know it's still too early to call I, you know I've, this is only one position over what will eventually be betting many right people natural reaction it's very understandable go ah this, this whole this whole investing thing's a complete waste of time i've just lost all this money i'm out yeah and 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 frankly we hear that all the time all of the time all of the time so i'm going to make losses how often am i going to make losses a lot <laughs> Like five, you, you, know. you personally or investors no, in general? Well, me personally, that's that's a separate story. But <laughs> Look, if it's if it's if it's is it nine out of ten? Yeah. He, he, here's the great thing. I mentioned I mentioned Buffett, and I, I jokingly say I'm better than Buffett. The the key message is that Buffett is successful despite the losses that he's made, and it comes down to the strike rate of success and how frequently so how frequently you're successful and how big each of those successes are. Right. Buffett is extraordinarily more successful than I am, unfortunately for me, unfortunately for him. Yeah. Uh, but. And despite those losses. So the, the presence of losses doesn't make you a bad investor and frankly shouldn't put you off investing as hard as it is to deal with, as painful as it is, as much as it really does tempt you to say, this is enough, I've had enough, I'm going. Mm. All those things are bad. All those things happen. But but more importantly, this is the this is the, the broad story, right? Buffett's done well because of those ones who've done well, A, his strike rate is good. Mm. And Peter Lynch, the famed US fund manager, says will be right about six times out of 10, which is mm. hardly overwhelming, by the way. No. 
But also when you make those winners, the average winner tends to make a lot more if you're doing it well than the average loser loses you. So you can only lose 100%, but you can make more than 100%, I suppose. Correct. And even if you don't get those extremes, you might lose 20 or 30%, but your winner's probably going to go up 70 or 80%. And yeah. you do that enough times, if you get six out of 10 and the average winner does better than the average loser, the maths will pretty quickly tell you that's a very successful strategy. So Buffett has made some bad losses. I've made some bad losses. I haven't gone anywhere near as badly as some of Buffett's losses, but nor have my wins been anywhere near as good as some of Buffett's wins. Mm. And that's the story, right? Is about the, the, the amount of time you do it. Now, humans feel the pain of loss, psychologists tell us, about three times as keenly as we feel a gain. Absolutely. So that, you know, when you do lose money, it's going to feel really, really bad. And when you make money, you're going to think, oh, thank yeah. God I made some money. Yeah. We, you know, you should be saying, oh, great, I made some more money. That's fantastic. And mm. over time, I'm going to make a lot more than yeah. that. Yeah. And this, is, this investing caper is if you buy quality businesses that pay good prices, is going to go very well. But you have to concentrate concentrate on the bigger picture. As you said, Andrew, the one company that loses, even if it's the first one you buy, isn't the point. If you have a couple of losers in a row, that isn't the point. If you're buying well, and that's still important, you can't buy anything. Yeah. But if you're buying well, paying good prices, the occasional loss shouldn't put you off investing because it will otherwise... Expect so you, yeah, yeah. yeah, otherwise you're going to go, yeah, catch yourself out of a whole lot of money, a whole lot of gains that you really should be taking advantage of. Yeah, you just got to have those realistic expectations, don't you? Yeah, you got it. Um, listen, we, we, there's so much more to say on that point. I think my, maybe we'll talk a bit more about losses too um, as, 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 we, as we do another... <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, hopefully your loss is not mine, but yeah. <laughs> well, right. I'm, I'm sure I'll have some to talk about. <laughs> you know, there's, there's one final point I'll make on that. You, you mentioned Buffett before. He talks about his greatest strength as an investor is not his intelligence, although he's a whip-smart guy. Mm. It's, it's his temperament. Mm. And I think that's the advantage that, that a, a lot of us wish we, we did have, that, that ability to look at losses you know, um, in, in a very sort of objective and unemotional kind of way. Right. To expect it, to know that it happens, to, to reevaluate and to move on rather than to, you know, take your bat and ball and go home. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Well, that uh, pretty much wraps it up. Uh, before we do go, don't forget you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And of course, at triplem.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you like what you're doing, please give us a rating on iTunes and tell your friends I'm sure they could use a little foolish straight talk too. Thanks, Scott, so much for your time. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, fools. And we'll be back next week with another dose of foolish insight. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.